Out of the bunnies into your homes, and we hope your hearts too, the makers of Camel Cigarettes bring you Blondie. Before we drop over to the Bumstead house to visit Dick Young's famous characters, Blondie and Dagwood, a word from the makers of Camel Cigarettes. Now, one of the things that makes Camel Cigarettes so different is that Camel's costlier tobaccos are slower burning. Recent scientific tests confirm it. But you don't need a stopwatch to tell you that Camel's are slower burning. You've got a better way of knowing. You'll find that Camel's are cooler, milder. Better tasting, too, because that slow-burning feature of Camel's lets the flavor and fragrant aroma come through to you. Your throat, too, will appreciate the gentleness of slow-burning Camel's. And, of course, the cigarette that burns slower is going to give you more actual smoking. By burning 25% slower than the average of the 15 other of the largest selling brands tested, lower than any of them, Camel's give a smoking plus equal to five extra smokes per pack. So for extra smoking and extra pleasure, smoke the slow-burning cigarette of costlier tobaccos, Camel. And now we're ready for our weekly date with the Bumstead. This time we find Dagwood with his employer, Daisy Dithers, standing in the living room of a newly completed bungalow. Listen. Well, Bumstead, is this a typical Dithers dream home, or, or isn't it? Oh, oh, sure, sure. Does that fireplace look like the kind where a young couple could sit? Gazing at flickering flames and, or not? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, why, that's our regular uh, number 413. 413A, Bumstead. Oh. The heart of a lifelong honeymoon, $12.85 extra. Oh. And oh. what about the furniture, Bumstead? It's okay. You mean it breathes contentment, don't you? If it doesn't, that decorator overcharge me. Hmm. Well, are you going to furnish all the houses you build now, Mr. Getty? Not by a long shot, I'm not. Hmm. I was crazy to furnish this one. Uh, yes, sir. What? I mean, uh, why did you furnish this one? To please lock and bar Stipple. Huh? Stipple is an old bachelor with a barrel of money and a lot of romantic ideas about marriage and love in a cottage. He keeps talking about lamplit windows in an ideal home for two. Uh-huh. So he wants to play Cupid by providing dream homes for honeymoon couples, easy terms, and no down payment. Oh. If he can just put the right people in the right houses. Yeah? Claims he doesn't want to make a sense. Gosh, I wish I met him when I first married Blondie. If you'd waited for him to provide a home, you'd be living on a vacant lot today, Bumstead. Why? Oh, because he can't seem to find a place that lives up to his ideas. I started showing him new houses, and he said they all looked too empty. And I furnished this one. Uh-huh. And he still didn't like it. He seems to expect to find his honeymooners all moved in and holding hands in front of the fire. <laughs> Saying that's a good idea. You know what Eddie Guest said? <clears throat> it takes a heap of living in a house to make it home. Why don't you find some people, too? Well, Bumstead, I'm glad you mentioned that. I have the same idea. You did? Yeah. Oh. Only I'm not going to turn this new furniture over to strangers. I want someone I can hold responsible. Oh, sure. Responsible people is what you want. Uh, don't get anyone who would come in and start throwing parties for their friends and relatives. Uh, get someone who would kind of move in and then relax. Well, Bumstead, huh? you relax easier than any man I've ever met. Yeah. Uh-huh. How about you and Blondie moving in here for a while? Oh, no, Mr. Dittich. It's a nice place, but uh, all this new furniture and all. Why, you two could make believe you were just starting on your honeymoon. Well, who would we make believe Baby Dumpling was? Huh? Oh. Well, you could leave Baby Dumpling with the puddles. Get a complete change. I don't know. Uh, Blondie and I are kind of used to Baby Dumpling now, and 
And Daisy the dog would miss it. Oh, nonsense. Look, I'd make it worth your while, Bumstead. No, uh, no. Oh, I've got a better idea, Mr. Jitter. I know some real honeymooners, and nice, steady people, too. Blondie's Aunt Bessie and her husband, Mr. Sneevel. Huh? They don't sound very romantic to me. You simple one's romance. Oh, you ought to see them like kids. Blondie and I brought them together... Not that they'd be glad to do us a favor, but I wanted to settle the deal with Skittle this weekend. If I can do that, I can sell him a lot of homes, and besides... Uh, I, I could wire... Hmm. Well, it's against my better judgment, Bumstead. Uh-huh. Anytime I leave anything to you, something goes sour. Yeah? But I'll settle for Aunt Bessie and Weevil if... Weevil? Huh? Oh, what's the difference? I'll settle for them on one condition. You and Blondie come in here first. Let Blondie sort of warm the place up. She has an act around the house. Then if her Aunt Bessie doesn't come, you two will have to go through with the romantic stuff for Sybil. Well, I'll ask Blondie, and if she's game, <laughs> I am. Then it's a deal, Bumstead. Now, when I bring Sybil, be sure there's a fire in the grate and soft lamps glowing all over the place. Okay. Remember, he's strong on lighting windows. Uh, guys, five bags. <laughs> it 
looks like you've uh, you've left home for good, Aunt Bessie. And so I have, too. <laughs> huh? Well, I say, and so I have left home. Not that I call that ugly big barn of a house home. It was bad enough when I was living with my family, and they used to sit around like it was awake, waiting for Gideon Sneeble to come and claim me. Fifteen years awaited, as you well know, Blondie. And if I'd have known what was in store for me, I'd have waited till doomsday before I'd have trusted my life to that man. You mean Uncle Gideon? That's who I married, ain't it? For better or worse, I took him. And how was I to know how much worse it would turn out to be? Oh, dear, you, you've quarreled with Mr. Sneeble. Well, I thought you had just come back from your honeymoon. And so we had. But when a man deserts his bride, the honeymoon is over. Uncle Gideon deserted you? Well, he's off on another trip. Packed up his samples of anchors and look out. And good riddance to others, too. Oh, well, maybe it's just a business trip. I don't care what it is. You won't find me waiting when he gets back. Oh, I was mighty glad to get your wire inviting me here. Uh, yeah, but we kind of wanted you and Uncle Gideon both. Well, of course, but I'm not welcome. Oh, now, Aunt Betsy, Dagwood doesn't mean that at all. Well, it's just that we thought you and Uncle Gideon both being here would make this a real honeymoon cottage. Oh, dear. What, what made Uncle Gideon leave home? You know, he laid it to Horace and Sylvester. You know, Aunt Gracie's boys. Oh, oh, yes. Where did he meet them? Mm-hmm. They just passed the house for a little visit. And at first, I wouldn't know from Gideon's mouth. He was that polite. The boys took him so well, they decided to stay a spell. You mean they moved in with you? Well, it seemed as if it was a small house. There's eight bedrooms in that place of Sneevels. And that I pointed out to him when he began his grumbling. But he says to me, why can't Sylvester sleep in a bedroom then, instead of my favorite chair, he says. Oh, I see. What else did Sylvester do? Not a blessed thing. Uh-huh. I guess that's why Snoozel didn't take the candy to him after a while. Sylvester does a lot of thinking, and he can't do it so good unless he's lying down. Mm-hmm. What does he think about? Oh, about what he's going to be in life. He says it's a serious thing to pick out a career. Mm-hmm. He's been thinking about it ever since he was 21. He can't make up his mind yet. That's quite a long while, Aunt Jessie. Well, Sylvester's just turned 45. He certainly gave it careful consideration. Poor boy. He's all wore out from the thinking and the worrying. Oh, and that Sneevel never would let him be. When Sneevel went off to work morning, he'd complain that Sylvester was a snoring on the living room couch. And when he'd come home to lunch, he'd make him get up and come to the table. And when he'd come home at night... He complained that Sylvester was taking his afternoon nap in his chair. Never give the boy a minute, please. Well, maybe it's Sylvester had shown a little more energy. Don't to believe it. Horace had energy and to spare. And people got mad at Horace, too. What did Horace do? Just tried to be helpful, is all. He fixed Gideon's car for him. At least he tried to. What went wrong? Well, seems like the gears on the car was making a noise, so... Horace up and took him out and cut it round and put him back. Worked like a beaver on it. Yes. But Gideon Sneeble complained that when he was through, the car wouldn't run no way but backwards. Uh-huh. He backed it out and it backed around the block and it backed back into the garage and his language was a caution to hear. That's why he passed up and lit out on the train. Oh, gosh, that's too bad. Well, you can stay here tonight, Aunt Betsy, anyway, and uh, then go visit your own folks a while, huh? And let them say to my face that after waiting for a man for 13 years, I up and made a fizzle with my marriage. I'll die before I ever go home. Well, don't worry about it tonight, Aunt Betsy. You can stay here and rest. For a while she can, but this isn't our house, Blondie. It's Mr. Ditter's and... Uh... Please, Dagwood, not now. Oh, let him go on. I know I ain't wanted. 
Out into the night again. Now, Aunt Betty. Oh, she won't have to go. I'll go. Hand me that anchor and those love birds. Don't place them up to the finger on those birds. They're mine. Now, Uncle Gideon, give Aunt Betty the birds. Dagwood, oh. you keep out of this. Who paid for those birds, I'd like to know? There he goes. Throwing his money in my face. Oh, where's my hat? Oh, yes, Mrs. Romney. Oh, this is what I get for marrying beneath me. Oh. I was too young to know what I was doing. You mean you were too old to care? Oh, it's false. costlier tobaccos. But camels also give you a generous bonus of extra smoking per pack. By burning 25% slower than the average of the 15 other of the largest selling brands tested, lower than any of them, camels give a smoking plus equal to five extra smokes per pack. Smokers who live in communities where certain state cigarette taxes are in effect can save the cost of the tax, and in some instances more, through smoking camels. If you live in a community where there are no added taxes on cigarettes, the savings are all yours. So turn to camels. Your sense of taste, your sense of value, will quickly tell you that penny for penny, camels are your best cigarette buy. Randy! Randy! Hurry up, will you? Yes, sir, I am. Oh, did Mr. Withers go so soon? He didn't go any too soon for me. 
He was pretty mad, Blondie. He said Mr. Skipper would just be rambling onto a stumble, uh, stumbling onto a, 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 something like that. Oh, dear. Did he hear Bessie and Gideon? Oh, how could he help it? What was that crash? Who threw what at who? Oh, that wasn't anything. I just dropped a bottle of cologne I was bathing Aunt Bessie Ford with. Oh. He has a bad headache. You mean she is a headache? Now, don't worry. It's just that they're getting adjusted to marriage after living alone so many years. I feel sorry for them both right now. Maybe I'd feel sorry for them if I had time. But Sipple will be here any minute looking for a romantic honeymoon couple sitting by the hearth. And we haven't got one. I know. And I feel responsible because it's mine, Aunt Jessie. Oh, oh, look, Edward. What? A little hall light's burning. The electricity must be on. Oh, turn it out. If Sipple sees a lot of lighted windows, you'll be here like a shot. He's crazy about it. Hey, who's that standing in the hall? What? Uncle Gideon. Oh, eavesdropping again, huh? I, I'm afraid I was. Uh, do I understand that my uh, disagreement with Bessie has embarrassed you young people? I'll say. Well, well, it has. My whole job depends on it, maybe. It seems like there's a fellow coming who thinks marriage is a fine thing. A bachelor, huh? Yes. Huh? Well, yes. But he has a lovely idea, Uncle Gideon. He wants to provide low-cost homes for couples where they can find peace and contentment. Little houses like this, just for two. Just for two? Mm-hmm. Good idea. My marriage might not be the wreck it is if I'd had a guest-proof home. Oh, well, if I could help in any way. Well, you could, uh, by being the example of a happy married couple. But uh, only you need Aunt Bessie to. Then it's hopeless, my boy. Oh, is that so? Oh, I'm sorry, you. may I ask? Aunt Bessie. You were listening to Yes, I was, and uh, if I were speaking to Mr. Siebel, I would tell him that I was just as able to cooperate with my nephew as he is. Uh, did you hear that, Uncle Gideon? She said... I heard it. You may tell Mrs. Siebel that I, for one, would be willing to impersonate a happily married man for the period of the emergency. Oh, Jesse, Uncle Gideon said... I heard him. I can hide my feelings, too, while the company's here. Oh, I think that's very nice of you both. Now, while I'm turning on the lamp... Would you sit together over by the fire? Yeah, we're right over here. Come on. Yeah, look, Blondie, the fire's beginning to burn. Uh-huh. No. Everything's looking a little bright exactly. Now, uh, sit down, Aunt Bessie. Yeah. Now, uh, you sit next to Uncle Gideon. Uh, now, hmm. now, how does that look, Blondie? Well, um, it would look a little more honeymoony if they wouldn't sit up quite so straight. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, too much space between them. Get together, get together. Well, if you'll be good enough to tell Mrs. Sneevel that I don't want to force my attentions on her, I'll meet her halfway. Oh, uh, listen, Aunt Bessie, he said... I heard you. And you tell Mr. Sneevel that he can just sit as close as he likes, and I'll just make out to myself I'm on a hayride with a stranger. Oh, no, Aunt Bessie. Pretend you're still in love. Don't be childish. Listen, that's him. That's simple now. It's now and never, Aunt Bessie. Oh, please help us. Give Uncle Gideon your hand. For you, Blondie. There. Good. Now look happy. Yeah, and uh, look at the fire and smile or something. I've got to open this door. Go ahead, Jackie. Oh, <laughs> hello, Mr. Stipple. Uh, you're just in time. I mean... You, you know me? You're uh, Mr. Divers. Oh, Jackson. yes, such a kindly character, Mr. Divers. Is that so? I mean, <laughs> sure. Uh, come right in. Oh, are you sure I won't be intruding into your happy circle? Oh, no, indeed. We've heard so much about you. I feel as if you were an old friend already. Oh, you're very kind. Now I feel welcome. Oh, but I mustn't stay. It's enough that I've seen this happy home. 
been allowed for just a moment to cross its magic threshold. Step into a world of content. Oh, don't run away so soon, then. Uh, why, you haven't seen the place yet. Uh, look, over over by the fire. I mean, you know. Ah. And they want to meet you. And we all do. I'm Blondie, and this is my husband, Dr. Dunster. And this is Aunt Bessie and Uncle Judy and Steve. Good evening. Please, come through. How do you do? Now, won't you sit with us by the fire? Oh, I, I mustn't disturb the happy couple. They were seeing castles in Spain and the embers, I'm sure. Dreaming of their future together. Uh, well, I... Huh? Yes, Miss. Maybe Mr. Stiffen is right, and the rest of us wrong. I beg pardon? I mean, well, you've never had a home of your own, have you, Mr. Stiffen? No. A real home, I mean, with a wife. No, I... I never have. But perhaps you know more about what a home means than people who do have one. You understand so well, lady. Oh, Bonnie's great at understanding people. Just the thing, I... I think it might be a good thing if Mr. Stipple told us what he thinks a home should be. Oh, well, I, uh, it seems to me that a home need not be a large place. Uh, never any larger than just big enough to hold the people in it close together. Its walls shut out the world and its troubles. The fire on its hearth, uh, no matter how tiny a blaze, keeps out the cold and warms the hearts around it. A real home is a place where a man and a woman face life together, face it unafraid, laughing at misunderstanding, inviting contentment, finding beauty in the simple act of living day by day. Oh, oh, but I mustn't take up any more of your time. I think you've given us more than you've taken. Oh, but you all know better than I what I've been trying to say. You all have a home, while I, well, I just peer in at the lighted window and, and wish you happiness. Oh, Denny, it's quite late. I really must go. Ah, another wayfarer attracted by the gleam of your fire. Oh, sir! What makes it so quiet in here? Huh? Why, Mr. Sipple was just telling us. Mr. Sipple? Well, well, where have you got here, I see? Most happy to say that I did. I've met the most charming people. Huh? The Bumpshed, you mean? Oh, and their relatives, uh, Aunt Bessie and Uncle Gideon. Bumpshed? Where are they? Right over there. Uh, the ones holding hands. Those two? Uh-huh. By the fire? Perhaps yes. you're surprised to find a honeymoon couple who are not, uh, uh, young people. But they're all the happier to find each other later in life. It's not only for the young I want to build my little homes, Mr. Dibber. Oh, you've, uh, decided to go ahead with your idea? Oh, yes, indeed. This house is what I've been looking for all along. Why, it's perfect. It's so snug, so peaceful. Peaceful. Oh, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, maybe if we're going to talk business, we ought to go over to the office. I was about to suggest it. Good night to you all, and I do thank you so much for our happy visit. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Oh, uh, Mr. Dillard, uh, before you go. Uh, tomorrow, Mama says, don't you worry. I won't forget what you've done for me. Oh, I don't know how you did it. Well, I guess everything's all right, Edward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it sounded as pleasing as he ever does. Hey, Aunt Bessie, Uncle Gideon, they're gone, Aunt Bessie. <laughs> yeah, but don't start yelling again, Aunt Bessie, uh, until Mr. Stipple is out of hearing. Oh, I, I don't feel much like yelling. That man made me, well, kind of ashamed. Me, that a fine man like Gideon and, and treating him the way I have. Oh, now, Bessie, it was all my fault. Taking you into that big barn of a house and getting all excited because you had a few of your folks drop in. Suppose you moved to a small house, a cozy little place, like this. Oh, Gideon, 
we live here, Bessie. Well, Dagwood, looks as though the time was next. Come on. Huh? The honeymooners want to be alone. Oh. Come, dear. We'll pick up our things in the morning. Good night, Bessie and Gideon. Oh, they don't even hear you, Blondie. No. <laughs> Look at them. It would be simple good to see them now. Yeah. Sitting in front of that fireplace. <laughs> yeah. That's a nice fireplace. <clears throat> That's our regular 413A. The hearth where happy hearts will spend a lifelong honeymoon. Blondie is played by Sonny Singleton and Dagwood by Arthur Lake, whose new Columbia picture, Blondie Brings Up Baby, will soon be released. So till next Monday, we leave the Bumsteads, Blondie and Dagwood. But the makers of Camel Cigarettes have other radio treats for you during the week. Tomorrow night over these same stations, you can listen to the music of Bob Crosby and the best Dixieland band in the land with Johnny Mercer and Helen Ward. And if you like swing, well, you'd better make a date with your radio for Saturday night when Benny Goodman and the world's greatest swing band with Mildred Bailey bring you another musical caravan. That's a tip for your radio pleasure. And for your smoking pleasure, let us suggest that you try camels. You'll find more pleasure per puff, more puffs per pack. This is Bill Goodwin speaking for the makers of Camel Cigarettes. Good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.